Welcome to Thoughts on the Market. I'm Ellen Zentner, Chief U.S. Economist for Morgan Stanley Research. And I'm Adam Fergadamo, U.S. Equity and Thematic Strategist. And on this episode of the podcast, we'll be talking about the path ahead for the U.S. economy post-COVID, as well as some areas where markets might be mispricing the reopen. It's Tuesday, March 9th at 9 a.m. in New York. So, Ellen, you recently said the path of COVID-19 and vaccinations seem to be tracking fairly closely to the base case you projected last year. At the same time, though, the economy is actually on track for a faster recovery than you had expected. What sped up that timeline? So I think, one, the stimulus that was passed at the end of last year put us on track for GDP tracking in the first quarter of around 8%. So that's an incredibly robust start to the year. I also think that while the vaccine process on a broad timeline is in line with our expectations that we would be vaccinating the broader population starting in April, the actual number of shots in arms and the amount of doses we're giving each day has ramped up more quickly than we had expected. And at the same time, the reopening has progressed earlier in the year than we had expected. So we've already started to bring back more jobs at a surprising rate as early as February. So the Biden administration is in the process of passing its $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. Within that package, what are you looking at in terms of recovery accelerators? Yeah, so the checks will start going out from this package before the end of this month, even. The IRS has had several iterations now of sending these checks out. It's a well-oiled machine. It takes only a few weeks to get those checks into bank accounts at most. And households tend to spend these checks within about 10 days. And what we've seen from past stimulus and what households are indicating for this round of checks as well is that they're spending them more like regular labor income. And so what does that mean? It means that they're not hanging on to them because they're uncertain about their future finances. They're actually spending them as though it's like a paycheck. And so you've just got a tremendous boost to spending again in late March going into early April. And so what we're doing with this stimulus is building that bridge into the middle of the year when we've got jobs coming back hand over fist. And so we're starting to replace those government transfers with stronger labor income. So this is really what gets us to that 8% growth rate for this year in GDP. So that's interesting because you and I have talked in the past about how prior rounds of stimulus have actually led to a significant amount of savings being built up. Part of that was lockdowns and not being able to spend the money, and part of it was just large checks going to people. It seems like you think this next round of stimulus, some of that will be spent. There is still this excess pool of savings, though. So as we reopen, what do you see in the outlook for excess savings? Do you think some of that will be drawn down as well? Yeah, we do. So we're going to be hitting 20% savings rates here again in the first quarter. You know, we already came into this year with about one and a half trillion dollars in excess savings. We created another 600 billion roughly with the stimulus package that passed in December and lifted the economy and household spending and savings in January. And then you add to that what's in this stimulus package that's passing now and you add a further 150 to 200 billions. You're talking about a bit over $2 trillion in excess savings. And even if a small portion of that makes its way into the economy, that's just an incredible amount of consumer buying power at a time when the economy is reopening, when we still have tremendous pent-up demand for services in the economy. And it also underpins why we continue to have such a strong outlook for inflation as well, because a lot of that demand is going to be meeting supply constraints on the services side. 
side. So let's talk quickly about the labor market. Just how do you see the labor market developing as we reach to herd immunity, as businesses reopen fully, and as consumers go out to spend some of these stimulus checks? Maybe put some numbers around the path for the labor market for us? Yeah. So January was a really disappointing jobs report, but it wasn't wholly unexpected because we hadn't really started to reopen yet. In February, just from states adding capacity to restaurants, you know, we got an employment report with hundreds of thousands of jobs coming back in the leisure and hospitality sectors and particularly in restaurants. And that's just a small effect from opening Restaurants. So you can imagine as we've continued to open up, we've heard of more states lifting restrictions. And so that roughly 500,000 jobs that were created in February, think of that as a baseline that we can now jump off of as we continue to open up. So it tells me to expect even more robust job creation this year. We've taken down our unemployment rate forecast further across our forecast horizon. So we think we're going to be just a bit below 5% unemployment rate by the end of this year and about 3.9% by the end of next year. So that's just, it continues to be an an incredibly V-shaped recovery in the labor market, which has been driven by a very V-shaped recovery in the economy and a good deal of fiscal stimulus. So Adam, you've been saying that markets have painted the post-COVID recovery with a fairly broad brush and that the recovery is largely priced in to the major indices. You know, how should investors approach equities now? In a word, Ellen, selectively. I think equity indices have broadly priced in a lot of the upside at the index level. Earnings expectations now sit well above prior highs. At the same time, we expect interest rates to move higher, which should compress the multiple a little bit. So over the course of the year, what we're expecting is a bit of a tug of war, a tug of war between earnings expectations that continue to move higher, albeit at a slower pace with the reopening underway, and a multiple that compresses a little bit. On net, we still see marginal upside to equity indices over the course of the year, but we think that's likely to be in a tug of war type fashion or uh, with some back and forth over the course of the year. So with the need to be more selective, that might be a good place to start by discussing some of your recent work on how you do put that into practice. Why don't you walk us through what you're suggesting? So we recently dug into this, writing our latest in our Life After COVID report series. And we wrote this report because, as I said, the index upside looks more muted at exactly the same time the reopening is occurring. What that means is that over the next few months, we're going to start to get data on what spending patterns look like, on what consumption patterns are going to look like on a going forward basis. So the key debate for us is to think about retention, reversion, and what's in the price. When I say retention, what I mean is retention of COVID economy gains. And of course, by reversion, I mean wallet share shifts back towards prior patterns of consumption. Think of travel as an obvious example here. For investors, it matters where those wallet share shifts are priced appropriately and where they are not. What we tried to do in our note was introduce a systematic framework to look at how the market may be extrapolating COVID economy gains or COVID economy challenges, and then overlaid that with our analyst views to look for stocks and sectors where the market may be a bit too optimistic or too pessimistic. Okay, so you mentioned one sector travel, but just more broadly, Are there pockets where the market has been overly optimistic on the recovery? And if so, could you give us a couple of examples of what you found? So the work showed that 
pockets of the market like semiconductors, home entertainment, internet services, parts of the communication software complex, and really anything tied to nesting or at-home consumption all have the highest expectations for durable COVID economy benefits. The tension with some of those sectors, though, is that they're also driven by a powerful cyclical upswing we expect. So the message there is just be more selective. Make sure that the cyclical tailwinds are going to be enough to deliver on those high expectations within the groups. In many cases, they will be. In some, they won't. So it goes back to the selectivity argument. So, Adam, on the flip side of that, can you give us a couple of examples from a sector point of view where you think the market has been overly pessimistic on the recovery? Absolutely. So leaning into our analyst views and what we thought the market was pricing from a systematic perspective, we highlighted a few sectors where there could be some stock selection opportunities. Banks and consumer finance, personnel services, pockets of the energy complex, advertising, particularly outdoor advertising, off-price retailers, food distribution, and enterprise technology all look to us to be among the more target-rich environments for potential upside surprises. And what about areas where companies could retain the gains they've seen in the pandemic? So we had a lot of positive stock views tied to e-commerce in that you got more customers buying online. There was increased digitization of consumer wallets, increased digitization of buying patterns. And while we certainly expect stores to reopen and consumers to return, longer term, we do think that accelerated the adoption curve for e-commerce. Other areas we see increased benefits are places with a focus on data or digital customer engagement. And in a few places, maybe some areas where you have cyclical upside driven by the amount of fiscal stimulus we expect to power the economy that could power the sector's earnings path on a forward look. I think your Life After COVID series is going to be with us for quite some time. As always, great talking with you, Adam. Great talking with you, Ellen. And thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share thoughts on the market with a friend or colleague today. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or a solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you. 